Welcome to Adulting, a podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at adulting.tv. Welcome to Adulting. I'm Harlan Landis, and I'm here with Miranda Marquette. How are you doing, Miranda? I am doing pretty okay. I'm excited because by the time this episode airs, I will be in another country. It's very exciting. Oh. International travel for the win. Lucky for you. Where are you heading? Yeah, my son and I are going to do a Viking River cruise up the Danube. So we will be in Budapest, Hungary. We will also spend some time in Austria in a few different cities and then end in Passau, Germany. It's very exciting. That is very exciting. Uh, lucky for you. I would love to have some time to do some international travel. Uh, it was mentioned on one of our other podcasts. We were talking about international travel and and we spoke about the round the world uh, airplane ticket, which is, sounds really interesting to me. And, and I'd love to do that as soon as I have an extended amount of time where I don't have to be anywhere physically, at least anywhere physically in this country. So... <laughs> These are dreams. These are dreams. Uh, well, you know, you're not alone. According to Lonely Planet, international travel is expected to increase by 35% over the next decade. So maybe you'll be one of those, part of that 35%, ready sure. to get in there. Yeah, I'll, if I increase my international travel by 35%, I'll be also at zero because I've done <laughs> no international travel over the course of the last decade. Not since yeah, but- high school, as a matter of fact. <laughs> You know what I mean, man. You're going to be I part know. of that 35% that's like going to get out there and get, and do the thing. I, I will. I will. Yeah, no. It's a goal of mine, and I will make sure I have the time for it You know, in the coming probably year, year and a half or so. So it's important to me, and I want to get it done, and I want to do it. So we will do it. That is exciting. Now, if you do want to travel internationally, so I was excited because – you know, last summer I went to Canada. That's still international. It's still another country. Earlier this year in February, I went on a Mexican cruise. So I got to go to Mexico and it was really exciting, but I am super excited to go to Europe. But as, as we start moving forward and we hear about disasters as well, we know that some people are worried that international travel is becoming more unsafe. And then there's also all these expectations, these things to worry about in terms of, do I have the proper vaccinations and everything like that? We're hoping on this episode to talk about what do you need to do? What do you need to nail down as you get ready to travel internationally? But before we get there, what are some of the important reasons to travel internationally? Why do you want to travel internationally, Harlan? Why are you hoping in the next couple of years to make that move? Well, even before we get to that, I just wanted to touch on something you just said about we feel that international travel is more dangerous. And, and I, I just want to approach that a little bit because I think that we don't get a lot of news from other countries here in the United States. Yes, we get some, but the, the news that we get are usually the biggest things. We hear about terrorist attacks and we hear about major train incidents and things like that. But I don't think that makes, you know, international travel any more dangerous than travel here in the United States. I mean, there are certainly incidents, you know, train crashes, very rare airplane incidents. When you when you think about it, travel is is relatively safe if if you do take some precautions. But 
you asked me why I wanted to travel, and there are a number of reasons. I, I, th- I think it's important to experience diversity in culture, and uh, that is one of the reasons I want to travel. I'd like to be exposed to things that I've had no exposure to in, in, before. Languages, people, cultures, uh, foods, the list just goes on and on. And I think there's a lot of value in getting exposure to something different than what you're used to at home. Now, of course, you can do this across the country, too, as well. You can have a great variety of experiences here in the United States. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do that or that, you know, traveling internationally is better. It's just different. Yeah. And and as you point out, there are lots of interesting things and differences in food and culture and, and everything else just across the United States. I know that sometimes for somebody who's grown up in Idaho and in a certain culture, it is kind of strange. It is, I wouldn't say strange, but it is different to go and see the different kinds of foods. For instance, the couple of times I've visited New Orleans, the culture there is a little bit different and the food is different. And a lot of there, there's, you know, the architecture is different. They have different kinds of celebrations than, than what I've seen here. And so I think it is very interesting to kind of start out. Maybe if you're not quite ready to take that step to go internationally, a good U.S. travel is to a different region of the country is a really great way to get your feet wet. One thing international travel does give us, despite the fact that Native Americans lived on these, you know, in the land that is the United States for for a long time, a lot of their culture has not you know, survived uh, as well as, say, you know, a lot of what we see in the United States is at most a few hundred years old. And here on the East Coast, we're lucky if we see some things left from, you know, European settlers who came in, in the 17th century or the early 18th century. But in Europe, you have you have sites that are thousands of years old that are still standing that that give you a deeper look into further history. And I, I think that's really cool. And that's and that's a benefit that you can get not by traveling the United States, though the history here is amazing and is absolutely worthwhile again. But you can get a little deeper when you go to other areas of the world. Yeah, definitely. And I think one of the things, too, that this sort of travel promotes is understanding. And it's not just about learning and, and seeing new things and trying new things. But part of it, too, is is understanding other people. We talk about the world and we talk about misunderstandings and, and war and, and poverty and difficulty all over the world. And I think part of that comes from a lack of understanding and a lack of interaction and, and a lack of really seeing where people are coming from. And international travel helps us develop those sympathies and empathies it can help us, you know, move forward, I think, as a world. And so promoting this sort of international travel where we get to meet real people and see them as real people rather than just the other or something we don't really understand or something that we don't really get. I think it helps. International travel can help us with that understanding. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think it's exposure is, is probably the most important thing here is just being exposed to people who are different than you gives you more compassion for other people's circumstances. And I think that's important in, to, in today's world. Oh, yeah, definitely, especially as communication and everything makes everything smaller. So, so as we've kind of figured that out, the next thing is, is, you know, what do we need, practically speaking, to travel internationally? I mean, first of all, we can't just hop on a plane and go wherever we want, right? We need to have documentation. We have to have a passport. What are some of the things we need as we get ready to travel internationally? 
Well, I think you just mentioned the first important thing, <laughs> and that's the passport. I had one when I was younger. You know, it had expired a while ago after many years without international travel and many years without renewal. So I had to apply for a new one a couple of years ago, a few years ago, with the anticipation of going international in the future, which I have not done since then, but at least now I have my passport ready to go. And I do take it with me when I travel now because my life has, you know, I I do have the potential of just up and going somewhere in certain cases. I'm still not able to to make long trips in the summer, for instance, because I need to be here every weekend. But you never know when the opportunity is going to arise. So I always have my passport with me when I'm traveling now. And I don't just leave it in the drawer in my bedroom. And that's a really smart idea. Because interestingly enough, way back in the day, back when I was an exchange student in Austria, and I, you know, had my passport with me, you know, we were traveling and we had an opportunity where we were within a few miles of the Czech, the border with the Czech Republic between the Czech Republic and Austria. They're like, hey, let's just run over the border real quick. And guess what I had left at my host family's residence? Oh, no my passport. (laughs) 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 And it was just, and it was at a time before the Czech Republic was in the, the political European Union. And I, so I couldn't just, you know, we still had to show our papers to get over. I mean, now it wouldn't be the same sort of problem, but at the time it was this sort of dates me, I know, but, um, but yes, (laughs) but at the same time, And today, right? I mean, you can't even if you want to go to Canada or Mexico, you need to have your passport to get back in. I remember the days when the borders were open between Canada and Mexico. And you didn't need a passport. In fact, the first time I went to Canada with my family on a family vacation, there was no need for a passport. But today you do need one. The other thing you need to think about is if you're planning on spending an extended amount of time in another country, check out that country's visa requirements. Because there are different visa requirements, whether you're going to stay as a student, whether you're travel, whether you plan to work, or even if you just plan to be there for more than a month or two, they want to give you a tourist visa. Make sure that depending on how long you're going and what you plan on doing there, you have the proper visas, because there are different requirements to meet depending on your purpose. In order to f- navigate this and figure all of it out, the best place to go is the Department of State's website. There you can find out information about your destination or destinations and what you need in order to go there, depending on how much time you want to spend there. So it helps to plan ahead when you know that you have international travel coming so you can be aware of what you need to bring with you and not only what you need to bring with you, but other things that you might need to prepare for in terms of any kind of immunizations that you might need. And one of the things that I did ahead of our travel here was make sure that, you know, Gavin and I had the proper immunizations. We're, we're good. Uh, we don't have to worry about it. We do have the immunizations we need. Uh, the other thing to think about is money. You need to have <laughs> money if you're going to travel internationally. And depending on where you go and what you do, you may not need as much as others. But uh, one of the best things to do is look for a credit card that doesn't come with foreign transaction fees or other fees. I do have American Express and Capital One are both good credit card issuers that don't usually charge additional fees. That makes it easy. You do want to have some cash in the local currency. uh, But honestly, I, I don't know why anybody would need traveler's checks today. Right. Cash and credit cards without the foreign transaction fee should be all that you need. And of course, it all depends on where you're going. If you're going to be in the 
in the desert somewhere exploring, or if you're on a safari somewhere, you're not going to have um, access to cash machines to use with your credit cards or anything like that. So you're going to need to have the local currency before you get there. So keep that in mind uh, and plan your trip and know what you need ahead of time. Uh, If you're going somewhere, say most of Europe, where you know that there's going to be access to all these um, modern aspects of life that we expect, then you can bring your credit card and not have any problems getting cash from an ATM or just using your credit card to make purchases. Yeah, and make sure you do double check. In some cases, you might need to make sure you're bringing one of those chip cards. And of course, here in the US, we finally caught up with that. And the other thing to realize, too, is sometimes those ATMs that you see in other countries have a six-digit PIN instead of a four-digit PIN. So talk to your card issuer, whether it's a debit card or a credit card, talk to your card issuer about where you're going and what you can expect, because they might actually issue you a a separate six-digit PIN to use while you're in another country, because the requirements might be slightly different. Yeah, and not only that, but it's great to let your card issuer and perhaps your you know your bank where you have savings accounts and checking accounts as well know that you are traveling overseas because otherwise they might trigger the transaction that you make as fraud and it's highly suspect. The best way to make sure that you can use your financial accounts without any problem is to inform them of your travel plans ahead of time. That way you can find out what you need to know, but you're also giving them the green light to say, listen, you can expect transactions from this location and don't flag them as fraudulent because it will be me. Although you do have to beware because you, you could visit a place where perhaps there's an increased likelihood of pickpockets or burglary or all that kind of stuff. So you'll just want to stay in contact even later on to make sure that if there is a problem, you'll be able to let the issuer know right away. You know, even then, still make sure you're on top of things because even when you let them know, there can be things that happen. I had a period of time where I was traveling quite a lot for about six months. I I was going to different states and to Mexico and and everything else. And it just turned into this like this nightmare scenario where it's like, well, you're in Mexico, but now, now you're in Arizona and you don't live in Arizona. And what are you doing? And where are you going? And why are we using? And, you know, I tried to keep up with it. But at the same time, even letting them know, uh, just bouncing around so much can can start to take a toll on the situation. So keep track of that and keep an eye on things so that you're you know ready to go. And on top of that, you know, make sure you check with your phone service provider. Most of mm-hmm. us have cell phones now. Make sure you have the information on traveling abroad. You might need to switch out your SIM card or you might need to just get a travel pass. Uh, many phone service companies will say, well, you can do a travel pass for like $10 a day when you use this, which is pretty expensive, honestly, when you think about it, if you're you know, in another country for like 30 days. Or once again, you can look to see what your local options are. If you're planning on staying longer, maybe you, maybe it makes more sense to get a temporary local phone or once again, switch out the SIM card. Try and look into your options ahead of time so that you know what to expect because that way you will have your cell phone. And if you do need to quickly call your credit card issuer or make other arrangements, you'll be able to do it. Sure. And you should research the places that you plan on visiting to determine what some of the cultural expectations are. And, you know, just one example that I'm pretty sure we've talked about before is, you know, tipping. You want to do the right thing wherever you are and you want to 
you, you don't want to expose yourself as to somebody who's insensitive to local cultures or just doesn't understand what to do in certain situations. There are some good websites out there that will go through and let you know kind of what what the cultural norms are in any particular place that you plan on visiting. So look online and try to get a good handle on what you can expect for dealing with people, you know, how how to greet people, what not to say, what gestures not to make, the slang that would help you, you know, and not necessarily expose yourself as as someone who's insensitive and tipping practices, all of those things go into play how you socialize and blend or not even necessarily blend in, but just make sure you're culturally aware so people don't find you offensive, which is probably the biggest thing that most people are concerned about. One thing that I learned on my last international trip was to pack light. (laughs) Look for ways that you can do laundry. The other thing to realize, and this is going to sound kind of gross, but you you don't have to wash your clothes after every single time you use them, <laughs> if they're still wearable again, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Two, I mean, it's all about maximizing row. what you know you can bring with you. Yeah. So, so try and, you know, do some research ahead of time, look for the climate and try and pack appropriately, but pack light. And finally, one of the things that I loved was when I came back from Mexico, there's a customs app. The U.S. Customs has an app, and you can download this app, and you can fill out all of the paperwork ahead of time inside of this app. And there's a special line you go to when you get there, and it's about three quarters shorter and easier to get through than the main customs line. So if you can go right through there on upon re-entry, it makes life easier. Um, and then, of course, if you want to make things even easier, do the global re-entry program, which can uh, give you help as you're leaving the country and coming back in. Sure. And you can sign up for that through perhaps your credit card or through an airport. There are lots of different ways to sign up for that. And also, before you go, learn a few helpful phrases in the language of the areas you are visiting. You don't, ha- you don't have to be fluent. Um, a lot of people speak English throughout the world and can certainly help you along. But it shows some good cultural awareness when you at least attempt to communicate even basic things, even just basic things in the local language. Yeah, even being able to say, do you speak English or know someone who does is a, is a good place to start if you if you need that. And as you're getting ready, and if you're taking children, one of the reasons that I'm doing a Viking River cruise um, is because I want the structure and I want the predictability and the safety since I'm going with my son. He's not really somebody that I drag off the beaten path with me. So you do need to consider your children's abilities and maturity levels, the safety involved, and then also do you have recent photos of them just in case something happens and you, you need to show what they look like right now to local authorities. So as we said earlier, traveling internationally is relatively safe, despite news reports that we hear seemingly all the time. But but it's it's safe, but you should always make an effort to increase your own safety. And I, and I think that's really the key to safe travel. So one of those things, we talked about the State Department website a little earlier in terms of what you can expect overseas. Also look to see if there are any travel warnings, because if there is unrest or war or any kind of turmoil in any area, 
you may want to avoid it unless you are someone who seeks out that type of adventure. I would not be one of those people. So, I, I mean, they they might even tell you that restrict travel completely to certain areas, and in which case I would definitely go by their recommendations. But you should just look at this website. We'll have a link to it. So you can see really easily if there are places you should avoid if you're looking for a stress-free travel experience. Right. And if you think you're going to be in an area for any length of time, it's a good idea to connect with the U.S. Embassy or the U.S. Consulate in the area. That way you know exactly where you need to go. And then they are aware that you're in the area. And if something comes up on a report or or something happens that's unexpected, uh, they know they need to account for you. So make sure you make those connections with the U.S. Embassy and the U.S. Consulate so that you can kind of move forward and so that uh, you have a place to go that's relatively safe and also so that they are aware of you. Yeah, and speaking of aware of you, you'll want to keep people here at home apprised of your plans either before you go and then when you get home so that if there are any issues and they don't hear from you, they're not concerned. Or if they don't hear from you when they should, then they are concerned. Both of those situations are important. And if you can, and if you're going somewhere where you can remain in communication throughout your trip, then stay in communication. The internet will help make a lot of international communication free or practically free. So use that to the best of your ability. And of course, when when that is not possible, when it's not possible to communicate back home, that's when it's most important to make sure everybody at home is aware of your plans so they know when to expect you and to raise any flags if there are some issues. Don't forget to check your medical insurance. Make sure that you're covered for what you're doing and where you're going. And depending on your situation, you may or may not have proper coverage. So make sure you check all of those coverages. The same is true of like auto insurance if you plan on renting a car at your international destination. I personally prefer uh, when I travel internationally to use public transit. A lot of other countries uh, that, I mean, at some point I'm going to go off the beaten path more, but for now, since I travel internationally primarily with my son, we use public transit most of the time. Uh, Most other countries have great public transit, uh, trains, buses. uh, So we do that a lot. But if you are going to drive, make sure you check into the auto insurance requirements and check with your own auto insurance to see if you have that coverage. And while you're getting medical insurance, make sure you check for needed vaccinations. It's not just about the vaccinations that the other countries require as you go out, but also check with the State Department again, check with those resources to see, okay, what are some threats that I might undergo if I'm traveling to another country? There are some areas of the world where you need to watch out for malaria. So take steps to protect yourself. Make sure you have the mosquito spray that you need and and all of that. So look into those kinds of health considerations so that you can take steps to protect yourself. Yeah, in addition to that, every country, well, not every country, but many countries have different standards for power when you're plugging in your electronics or any other devices. So make sure you're prepared for wherever you're going and bring any converters that you need. You don't want to go and find, you know, you don't want to take your laptop with you, your notebook computer, your tablet or your phone and find out that you can't actually use it because you don't have the converters that you need. Now, of course, you can pick them up while you're there, but it's great to have everything prepared ahead of time so you don't have to scramble around and and when you when you try to you know, for the first time, charge your phone, find that you don't have the right thing, and then can't use your phone to figure out where to go to pick it up. 
Yeah. Well, and I was just going to say, I mean, the last thing you want to do is spend your first three hours in a cool new country, like trying to find find an electronic store where you can buy a converter. <laughs> Nobody wants to do that. Exactly. So what are some of the things that you can do now to prepare for international travel? Yeah. So the first thing to do, I think, is to find one country that you would like to visit and then learn more about it. Go ahead, however you decide you want to do this, whether it's something that you think would be interesting, whether you have ancestors that came from that area, whatever it is, find one country you would like to visit and then start learning about it. Look for its location on the in the world. Uh, start researching some of the norms and you know, go ahead and download Duolingo and start working on the language. Yeah, and another thing you can do and you will need to do if you don't have one is to get a passport. And sometimes there's a process that takes some time. So it's best to do this now, even if you're not sure when you're going to be traveling, just get it done. And uh, basically, there's an application you fill out, you can take it to the post office, and they'll process it for you. You can either get your photo taken there or bring a photo that meets their qualifications once you're approved, and then you'll you'll end up with your passport within several weeks, unless you expedite it. Yeah, and it costs more to expedite it. One thing to know, I mean, it took about eight weeks for me to get my passport. And that was a reapplication for an expired passport. And then it, it only took six weeks for my son. I still don't know why his came two weeks faster. But uh, his did. And uh, another thing, if you're thinking about it, go ahead and apply for global entry once you get your passport. Do realize that it's a very long time frame. In fact, I waited too long to apply for global entry. So I will actually and it requires a, an actual interview with customs and borders people. So like you have to go in, you put in your application, and then you have to go in and have an interview. And my interview is actually going to be taking place two days after I get back from Europe. (laughs) (laughs) But then I'll have it. Oh, well. And some of them are quite far out. I was actually looking for interview locations close to my house and trying to schedule something. And the ones that are closest to my area aren't available until 2018 at least six months from now. And so I'm just going to go ahead and do it because I'll be in the Philadelphia area. So I just went ahead and signed up for Philadelphia. But once again, that's two days after I get back from Europe. So I did not plan ahead on this and realize that it's a very long process to get global entry and it can take months to get approved. Sure. And I signed up for TSA PreCheck last year. And one thing that I should have done was probably just signed up for global entry because it includes TSA PreCheck and both are provided basically free of charge through my credit card rewards program. So that's something to keep in mind. If you're thinking of doing TSA pre-check anyway, you might as well just do global entry for most people. Oh, yeah, for sure. We do have a listener question. It says, my partner is wary of international travel, but I want to go on adventures. What are some ideas for getting him interested in coming with me? Well, like we've talked in, you know, in many podcasts, you can't make anybody be interested in something. The relationship is always a give and take. You know, I I think it's important to explain to your partner why it's important to you and start from there. And maybe you can find something that's important to your partner and find a way to make that relevant to the travel that you would like to do. 
there's probably some room here for some compromising and some and for some strategizing and coming up with something that's going to make everything enjoyable. Now, of course, if he's or she, the partner, is wary about international travel due to safety concerns, then I think, you know, perhaps listening to this podcast will help alleviate some of that or just, you know, looking for those um, for the information online from the State Department and and going a place, start starting out slowly in places that you're comfortable with, you know, perhaps places where they speak English or where the culture isn't as different from the United States as some of the other destinations might be. And just just take a slow approach to getting used to international travel. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think another thing to do is you kind of touched on it a bit when you said looking at what makes your partner comfortable. And so uh, one of the things that my ex-husband and I had talked about a little bit before our divorce was, you know, he he's not he doesn't like big travel. He doesn't like that. He finds it very inconvenient. But one of the things that he was very open to once we started talking about opportunities and how I wanted to do travel and, and want to go on a trip was the idea of a cruise. <laughs> And he really liked that because you could visit multiple places, you just have to unpack once and you're all on this big boat and it's easy to get food and it takes you to where you need to go. And if you want to do onshore excursions, then that's all taken care of for you. And so he really likes that all in one wrapped up thing. I am a little... Uh, I don't, I mean, I enjoyed the cruise I went on and everything, but I would have liked to have spent more time in certain places and been able to explore more than the cruise gave me a freedom to do. But this is a nice compromise for somebody who, um, like my ex-husband, was just very concerned about the convenience factor, the safety factor, and all of that. Choosing a travel experience, uh, you know, and there are companies too, it doesn't necessarily have to be a cruise, but there are companies too that do tours. And you can sign up for like a 13-day tour of Italy or something or, or, you know, and it's pre done and it's all mapped out for you and they provide the transport for you and make sure you're where you need to be. And so that can be a good way to start out too, uh, to make it convenient and as simple as possible. Yeah, I love this idea of when you're starting out having someone else kind of just build your itinerary. And you can you can even talk to travel agents, even though that they they are, you know, kind of part of a an economy that you know this type of it doesn't really exist in our co- in our economy as much as it used to but travel agents are great for putting together and i taking an idea and the things that you're interested in and making it into what's going to be an interesting travel itinerary for you. And that way you don't have to worry so much about, well, what am I going to do in this city? You know, how long do I stay here? When do I move on? And how do I, how do I do the transportation thing? Everything is just kind of taken care of for you. And it's a great way to start. And then you can build in certain times for you to explore and figure things out on your own if you want. But that will give you a lot more comfort for, you know, the next trip where you go and do a lot more on your own without the guidance of an itinerary or a travel agent or a tour guide or a cruise to give you your itinerary. Yeah, I think that's a great place to start as well. And and as you said, as you become more comfortable with it, you can branch out a little more. And even if you never branch out a little more, at least you're traveling together like you want. So so there's that. (laughs) 
So yeah, so what do you think about international travel? What has been your favorite trip or what is your dream international travel destination? Let us know. Head over to Facebook and check out the hashtag adulting community. And if you have any other questions that you want to ask us about travel or another subject, head to adulting.tv forward slash ask. And don't forget that you can always find us at adulting.tv with articles and videos and podcast episodes, and that you can subscribe to us in Apple Podcasts and also on Stitcher. We'd love to hear from you. Make sure you keep in touch. And until next time, remember to act like a grown-up. Thank you for listening to Adulting. Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv.